Hi, and welcome to the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm Manny Manuel. Well, today uh, definitely fits the title. We've, <laughs> we're have we doing another Hidden Gems and Guilty Pleasures, and I think, I think this one just might qualify as a guilty pleasure. We're doing the 1997 classic uh, Face-Off, starring Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. Yes, uh, this is definitely a guilty pleasure. The funny thing is, is that I don't know how guilty it is when I take a look at the Metascore. 82. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a little bit surprising to see just how popular this movie is, although I guess it really shouldn't be. Obviously, we'll get into the reasons why. But yeah, this movie, uh, there are some movies I can think of that don't even come close to that high of a meta score that are far better than this movie. Uh, the Prestige comes to mind as a criminally underrated movie. I think we've used that example about a hundred million times on this podcast. It's like in the fifties or something, but yeah, the, that high of a meta score is pretty much unheard of for a movie of this, uh, shall we say, uh, well, uh, of this quality, I guess. I think it's, I think the score so high from the sheer entertainment value of it all. This really is yeah. a guilty pleasure. The, the plot holes in this are, are uh, massive. The the uh, the acting is over the top, but this movie yeah. is so damn entertaining. Yeah, I uh, we will obviously get into that. Or I guess, do you want to just do a non-spoiler section? Maybe general thoughts. Uh, well, let me uh, let me start off here. I'll I'll, I'll I'll I got a couple things to to go off, and then uh, and then we'll get into that. So I'll, I'll start us off with the plot. Uh, in order to foil an extortion plot, an FBI agent undergoes a facial transplant surgery and assumes the identity and physical appearance of a terrorist. But the plan turns from bad to worse when the same terrorist impersonates the FBI agent. This so is- if that plot synopsis isn't enough for you to want to watch this movie, I don't know what the fuck you're doing with your life. <laughs> uh, the director of this movie is John Woo, who is an action icon from the 90s and from Hong Kong cinema. If you haven't seen any of uh, John Woo's uh, Hong Kong films, uh, notably The Killer, uh, Hard Boiled, or A Better Tomorrow, then please treat yourself to it because they are exquisite. Uh, the writers are Mike Werb and Michael Collery. Uh, you, my friend, would know them as they are the ones that wrote The Mask. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's uh, not... A... I guess that makes sense. I, I mean, guess so. You got a similar sort of theme. Well, well they're both wearing masks. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, this does have an 82 meta score. It was actually has one Oscar nomination uh, for Best <laughs> Sound Effects Editing. Uh, because it, of course it does. Yeah, it has a budget of eighty million. Uh, it's one hundred and twelve million uh, gross uh, in the U.S. and one hundred twenty-eight worldwide. Uh, so it did make some money. Um, the, uh, the I one hundred percent. Well, I I remember going to this in the theater because I was a John Woo slut. Like I. <laughs> I again, I don't remember who told me about John Woo. I again, it was probably some of the magazines I read. Um, but I did see uh, Hard Boiled and The Killer. I actually still haven't seen A Better Tomorrow, but I've heard it's amazing. Uh, and Hard Boiled is one of the greatest action movies I've ever seen. So, really? when, yeah, oh, yeah, it, it's it's unreal. Um, wow. so when I when John Woo was finally brought over to the U.S. Uh, I think his first movie that he did here is Hard Rain? No, Hard Target, 
uh, was Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, and uh, then he brought, uh, yeah, Hard Target. And then he did uh, Broken Arrow, which was with uh, uh, John Travolta and Christian Slater. Um, and then he did this movie, Face Off. Um, I was super pumped um, when Face Off was announced. Uh, and then when it came out, I was there opening weekend. And it was my favorite movie of the year. It was so much fun. Like I had, it's such a great time. Um, the John Travolta, Nicolas Cage, probably having the most fun they've ever had in a movie. John Travolta, yeah. uh, for sure. Um, you know, Nicolas Cage is just one of these actors who has just such a massive filmography. It's impossible to really dive into it all. But fuck if he doesn't give. 110 percent in every goddamn movie he's in it just does not matter the script or who's attached to it he <laughs> pours his heart and soul into every single role for better or worse I, and it can be, it can be debated for whether this is uh for better for better or for worse oh i i agree wholeheartedly like he's he's never one uh he's never one to to just kind of what's the word i'm looking for he just to phone it in. Thank you. That's exactly the the phrase I was looking for. He never phones it in. There's never a boring Nicolas Cage performance in any movie, and uh, this is again no exception. This is f- f- uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal turn from uh, Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. Um, this, uh, and I'm excited to get into it and hear more about you because if I remember, you haven't seen this movie prior to us. I had not. I had not seen this movie before. Perfect. So I'll I'll finish up my thoughts because I'm really excited to hear yours. Um, uh, Like I said, when this movie came out, it was one of my favorite movies of 97. If not my favorite, I'd have to double check some of the movies that came out that year. Um, My friends and I talked about this movie all the time. This is a, uh, a perfect 90s action movie. The plot holes are enormous. The... Uh, action scenes are explosive heavy that make no sense things blowing up that shouldn't have to blow up um yeah it's just it's just pure fun to watch this movie you just this is everything ex- I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off no your thoughts. no no go right ahead i i, I was, all you i, said, I was just di- dive in was dive just, in I'm sorry, we're just cutting each other off nonstop at this point <laughs> <laughs> um i i was just going to say that Everything I've ever seen parodied abduction movies is in this movie. So you got like speedboat chases, you got one liners, you have like I, I it, really just everything. Things blowing up that you don't expect, like you said. Even uh, the prototypical John Woo doves are uh, make an appearance in this movie for some reason. Uh, it's it's just perfectly nineties. It's so the plot is cheesy and over the top and stupid and there's so much gunfighting everybody in this movie dual wields pistols for some reason yep. <laughs> like literally every time you see somebody with a pistol they have to have two that's just the way it is and i love it and it's stupid and it makes no sense and it, it was pretty cool <laughs> well that like that's a john Woo trademark and like one of the things um when he came over is they had to tell him that like in america our our action heroes don't use two guns they use one and he's just like, that doesn't work for me. It's two guns. <laughs> that's so awesome. Um, and yeah, that and that's one of the things. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I know probably down the line, uh, 
uh, when I win another one. Um, Ooh. We will eventually... words. Yeah. We will eventually... Uh, I am going to make you watch Hard Boiled. Um, okay. And there's a... One of the one of the things that blew me away, and I, I and that's one of the things I'm curious, um, as we do uh, some of these uh, for older movies like the '90s and stuff, or some genre changing type of films. It's going to be interesting yeah. for me to see your reaction to them because you grew up um, with these already in place. So some of the action scenes here in Face Off at the time were revolutionary. Um, and especially hard, like with hard boiled. Um, after I watch hard boiled, um, there's a scene uh, in there where two guys um, are having a gunfight, but they're in close quarters and they're diving behind stuff. And the best way for me, dis- <laughs> the best way for me to describe it is these two guys were having a sword fight, except with guns. <laughs> and I like I loved it. But nowadays, you see this kind of stuff all the time, and so it's not as um, it's not as mesmerizing to see it when you grew up with this. Like it's the same thing. <clears throat> I'm going off on a tangent here, but, sure. but um, for a lot of people um, that have never seen Pulp Fiction, they don't understand how much it changed the game because they've grown up watching movies that Pulp Fiction has already influenced. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it, it's that it's that kind of thing, and and um, so I, I'm interested in hearing your take on what you thought of the action in this movie, and 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 all the stuff blowing up and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I completely hear what you're saying in terms of like it's difficult. You know, you're we're always sort of immersed in culture, so it's difficult to notice it. The analogy I've heard is like it's like a fish being asked what it's like to live in water, and he says, "What's water?" Mm-hmm. It's this this sort of thing we don't really notice um so yeah it's i definitely see what you mean um and i think for that reason a lot of the things in this movie that might have been revolutionary at the time um either i didn't notice because i because why would i because they've always been there to me or uh they just uh, i honestly don't know specifically what types of things you're talking about i thought the action in this movie was quite good to be honest with you there were a couple instances especially the speedboat chase later that i thought uh was cheesy but well executed um as well as some great stunt work which we know we we can get into all that but as far as it being revolutionary i didn't get that effect as much as somebody who would have watched this in 1997 i don't think um I still enjoyed it on the level that this movie can be enjoyed, which is just pure campy fun. But uh, I think as far as, you know, any, any trailblazing that it might've done was probably lost on me to be honest with you. That's a, that's fair. That's a to- and again, totally understandable. That's I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that you enjoyed it. And as I was rewatching this, I was just like, Oh, this movie's just so fun. This movie's just yeah. so good. It doesn't take itself seriously, and you and obviously the actors are having the time of their lives. Yeah, if there is one thing I can say about the performances, though, like obviously we know what we're getting with Nick Cage. I definitely had more fun with his performance than I did with John Travolta's. I I didn't feel John Travolta was over the top, yes, but it's sort of like when you see. Uh, we were talking about with There Will Be Blood, for example, how uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is just such a t- 
titan of cinema that anyone who's up next to him is just doomed to pale by comparison. Yep. It's the same with Nick Cage, but about being batshit crazy instead of good at acting. Anybody who is up next to Nicolas Cage in a movie is just doomed to not be as fucking insane as he is because that man is just... I don't know where he gets the energy. I don't know if he does lines and lines of coke before every role he does, <laughs> but some, <laughs> somehow he just uh, manages to pull these absolutely insane but somehow entertaining performances out of thin air movie after movie i'm looking at his filmography right now by the way mm-hmm. over 100 movies in it according to wikipedia it has its own wikipedia page just his filmography uh he starred in one two three four five six movies alone this year <laughs> uh and he's got four more on the go for next year so this guy i don't know where he gets the energy to give these sorts of insane performances that many times a year but he does so i guess we should uh we should be thankful for that yes we we do need to, we need to thank the sweet baby jesus that we have nicholas cage side note have you seen the wicker man uh no oh man <laughs> that is a performance right there from nicholas cage that is a performance side note have you ever seen his oscar winning performance for living las vegas i, I actually haven't i'm okay. i am aware that uh nicholas cage should have the title uh Oscar winner Nicolas Cage, I guess, uh, which if you know you watch Face Off, seems a little bit um, difficult to believe. <laughs> but no, I have not seen uh, I have not seen Leaving Las Vegas, but I've heard it's a very very good movie. Yeah, it is. Um, all right, but let's get back onto uh, the the movie at hand, uh, Face Off. Um, <clears throat> so from here on out, we're going to be spoiling Face Off, so you guys have your chance to. to to turn it off now, go watch the movie, and then rejoin us as we uh, spoil and discuss uh, this uh, cinematic masterpiece called Face Off. So spoilers in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. We're going to spoil the shit of this movie. Um, opening scene. Uh, on September 24th, 1991, FBI Special Agent Sean Archer survives an assassination attempt by freelance terrorist and homicidal sociopath Castor Troy. But the bullet penetrates Archer's chest and then strikes his son Michael, killing the boy. Six years later, Archer's vendetta against Troy culminates in his team's ambush of Troy and his younger brother and accomplice, Pollux, at the Los Angeles International Airport. Troy goads Archer with knowledge of a bomb located somewhere in the city to set to go off in a few days, but he is knocked into an irreversible coma before Archer can learn more. So... We have the opening scene where we meet Caster Troy as he's dressed as a priest and sexually assaults a young lady. So, uh, real quick, <laughs> I was I was still trying to you know get my notebook together at this point. I was still trying to you know get acclimatized. Uh, why was he dressed as a priest? Uh, do we ever is this explained? Well. Uh, because the uh, the L.A. concert hall or convention center where he plants that bomb was being held uh, or was holding a large Christian convention of some sort. Okay. Hence the choir and other people wearing priesty stuff. So being dressed as a... And and in all honesty, if you're if like if if that was what was going on, and you're dressed as a priest, nobody's really gonna pay much attention to you. Yeah, I think uh, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, Manny, but I believe this marks the first time in history that a priest has uh, sexually assaulted anyone. Uh, can you fact check? 
I'll uh, I'll get back to you on that. I'll do a little bit of okay, research. Thank you. I, I believe that's right off the top of my head. I, I, I'm going to go with I believe this is the first time, and that's why it's only in the movies, because this is obviously a fictional account, and yes, no priest is, would ever sexually assault anyone, any woman at all. Or male. <laughs> Like I don't. And if you listen closely, you can hear the sound of the last religious person who listens to our channel shutting it off. (laughs) Um. So, uh, (laughs) oh, that was awesome. I'm not gonna let let that go. Um. So that's our introduction to Caster. Um. I liked. Um. You can tell. This is this opening scene prior. Actually, everything kind of prior to to them going to the airport, uh, I actually really like John Travolta's performance here. You can see how weary he is and how obsessed he is with getting and capturing Castor Troy. Um, yeah. And the weight of his uh, son's death on him. Um, there's a couple scenes where I think John's really good when he's playing Sean Archer. Um, as we get to... As we get to the airport, there's the uh, and I was as I was researching this movie, it's it's a scene, it's a it's a shot that I always loved because I always love directors that give their actors like a hero shot. And when yeah. Caster gets out of the car and the wind catches his trench coat, and they <laughs> they do like this. Little, I think I don't know if it's a guitar riff or it's a it's a music cue that sets him up as the coolest dude in the world. Yeah, he looks like the coolest dude in the world. Like, he gets yeah. out, and the, the wind catches his fucking his jacket, blows it off, and he's like, I'm the fucking king of the world. I just yeah, found I, out that the reason they did that is that was inspired by Lawrence of Arabia. And I know exactly oh. what scene they're, they're referencing with that shot. Um, Would you hate me if I said I'd never seen Lawrence of Arabia? I'm not shocked. <laughs> Nor should you be. No. Um... Like it, like a true parent, not mad, just disappointed. Yes, yes, very disappointed. <laughs> that will be rectified uh, down the line. Uh, I'm sure. Unfortunately, unfortunately, as much as it breaks my heart, you'll probably end up seeing it on a small screen instead of in a movie theater where it's meant to be seen. Yeah, but, as far as I know, I don't know any movie theaters that are currently playing Lawrence of Arabia. Ah, but I'm about to say that. Ooh. Cineplex re-releases every once in a while old movies because my dream came true that I finally got to see Lawrence of Arabia on the big screen. I drove down to Vancouver when they were showing it, and it was breathtaking to finally see it the way it was meant to be seen. Maybe so I'll have to keep an eye open. I'm probably going to keep an eye open for you, and if I ever see it in Calgary, oh, I just told the whole world where you live. <gasps> I think I've mentioned that before, right? Yeah, we have. <laughs> should we give my exact address as well? We should. Yeah. And, uh <laughs> <laughs> so if it ever comes to Calgary, uh, you're fucking going. All right, fair enough. All right, um, but uh, as he gets onto the plane, and we're introduced to Pollux, and we find out that this is his brother and stuff like that. Um, again, Nicolas Cage just chewing on the scenery like a fine ham sandwich. <laughs> yeah, and it's um... it's one of my favorite lines. Is I can eat a peach for hours. <laughs> and then he's like, no, no. If I were to let you suck my tongue, would you yeah. be grateful? 
I think when he said that line, uh, if I were to let you suck my tongue, I just audibly said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is ridiculous. Like, obviously it's supposed to be. And obviously I didn't hate it because it was Nicolas Cage. But what the... Who the fuck wrote that line? Uh, Who the fuck wrote most of these lines? uh, Mike Mike Werb and uh, Michael Collery. (laughs) Yeah. Or or it it could be Nick Cage ad-libbing. We have no idea. Honestly, half of these lines, I'm just like, there's no way this came from a mind other than that of Nicolas Cage. Like, some of these lines just seem too batshit crazy to come from, any- from anywhere else. Um, so, I can't remember the tip they get that reveals that Caster's at the airport. So, Sean Archer and the boys show up. A big gunfight. Um, one of the things I love, and if, if we were on a video medium, I'd show you, Sam. Yes. But um, when the or or well, when the plane crashes into the hangar and everything explodes for no reason, boxes and oil drums <laughs> all explode for no reason. Yes. You can actually, if you when you watch it, because they I, they only could do it in one take, because they talk about that uh, on uh, in a couple of the making of. They can only do one take of that plane crashing in, uh, because they, as you can tell, they obviously do real damage to that building. Um, So there's like 13 cameras on it and they kind of, they do the quick cut. So you see it from all these different angles as it goes along. And you can see a couple of the barrels and a couple of things explode like a fraction of a second before the plane actually hits the building. (laughs) It's one of the things I love, but in that gunfight as well, and this is obviously it's 97. So it's well before CGI, so a lot of the stunts and a lot of the things are practical, which I like. Uh, I'm, I'm as much as I love digital and what it allows filmmakers to do and allows us to build the worlds that we that we get to enjoy. I'm always a fan of practical effects, mm-hmm. and so when guys get shot and stuff like that in these movie in in John Woo movies, they fly like they they don't they don't fall down. They like fly back twenty feet, and there is one stunt guy where if you look carefully. You can see the wire that pulls them, <laughs> and I always love that. I'm like, "There's the wire." Well, one thing I do love about the action in this movie and how cheesy and over the top it is. Every time somebody's falling, it not necessarily in this scene, but later when we get to uh, the prison escape or uh, the boat uh, chase at the end, <laughs> every time somebody falls, there's like nine edits right in the middle of the fall just to make it feel <laughs> even longer. It just edits. There's just like cut 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 from different angles of just them falling and yes as they're diving so, around it's so over the top but i can't help but enjoy it oh yeah the the best part is that when somebody's diving or somebody's falling yeah. their their cuts and their movement is in slow mo but everybody else is still in real time yeah so like as an example and this is the perfect one if you remember, the plane crashes into the hangar, and then Nicolas Cage dives out the side with his two guns shooting. Yeah. So his dive is in slow-mo, but then they cut to Sean Archer, who's running up the, the, the police. The, he, he, does, he runs on top of the police car, firing. Right. He's not in slow-mo, and he shoots like a bunch of people. But Nick Cage – and so he runs up normal, and then you cut back to Nick Cage, who's still falling. And then there's yeah. another shot, and then there's a bunch of guys – and then Nick Cage finally falls down. Yeah. So, Some say Nick Cage is still falling to this day. <laughs> um but it's it's uh it's it's fine. Like this is the beginning. It's 
it, it's decent action. Um, and then, obviously, uh, a little fight between Sean Archer and Caster Troy. Caster Troy uh, gets stuck behind a jet engine and then knocked into a coma. Because, of course, he does. Yes. Everything, everything in movies and in soap operas, just everything results in a coma. Yes. <laughs> and everything results... I guess everything results in amnesia most of the time, but comas are second place. So, I'm going to just read the, the this. Ne- uh, I'm just going to read this one part because there's a couple things I want to touch on. So, Archer affirms that the threat is real, but is unable to convince Pollux to reveal where the bomb is located. I'm going to stop there because we're introduced to two characters: the the brother and sister, Sasha and Dietrich. Sasha is played by Gina Gershon, who used to be my girlfriend. <laughs> I kind of forgot that she was in this movie. Sorry? Back before Lupita Nyong'o and uh, Charlize Theron, right? That's right. I love Gina Gershon. Love her. And I kind of forgot that she was in this movie. And when she showed up, I won't lie, uh, my breath was taken away. <laughs> But, yeah, she's pretty hot. Yeah, she's so hot. But Nick Cassavetes as Dietrich says one of my favorite things when he's being interrogated. He goes, hey, Sean, how's your dead son? <laughs> Holy fuck. I laughed my ass off. Just the, the writers just stopped giving a fuck about subtlety and just, like, wanted to make this guy a comic book villain. And, like... I, I guess they needed some excuse as far as writing the scene goes to allow John Travolta to hold a gun to this guy's head without making him look like an asshole. And I'd say, how's your dead son comes comes pretty close to that. That was but, such a great line. Like what I, the fuck, What the fuck kind of person even... like Even if you are a shitty enough person to say that kind of thing, who even says it like that? Like, <laughs> if, if you're a shitty enough person to bring that up, wouldn't you just say, hey man, how's your son? Like, what, like what, he's not gonna he's not gonna say, hey, which son are you talking about? He's got one fucking son and he's dead. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just the, the writing of that line seemed so over the top to me, like, even for this movie. Oh, <laughs> I, I still got a laugh out of it. I fucking love that line. <laughs> I love, uh, Nick Cassavetes killed it for me i i actually i really love nick cassavetes he's not in this movie very much but he fuck i fucking love him yeah um so i just want to touch on that i just want to touch on my love for gina gershon and that fucking great line by nick cassavetes i am very glad that you did awesome um at the suggestion of his partner uh tito biondi and special ops specialist dr hollis miller archer secretly undergoes a highly experimental face transplant procedure by dr malcolm wash walsh sorry dr malcolm wash to take on troy's face voice and appearance archer is taken to the same high security prison where pollux is being held and slowly convinces pollux that he is troy gaining information on the bomb's location meanwhile Troy incredibly awakens from his coma and discovers his face missing. He calls his gang, and they force Dr. Walsh to transplant Archer's face onto him. So that is a fucking paragraph right there. Yes. Um, can we talk about, please, uh, how stupid the idea to have a fucking face transplant to convince Pollux to reveal the location of the bomb? Like, 
I, I fully accept it as a plot point of this movie. I fully accept it as a necessary thing to accept for this movie to exist. But can we all just agree that that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life? Yes, it is a horrible <laughs> way to try to gain information from Pollux. Since okay. this is a... <clears throat> as they mentioned, that this is a... Uh, what is that? A black ops special team so black ops that not even the president knows that they exist or something like that. Like, you know, they, they're, they're so special unit that nobody knows they exist. If that's the case... Use torture. Yeah, absolutely. Or like the the dudes in the prison that nobody knows exists apparently, and the the guard makes a big point of saying these are outside the Geneva Convention and Amnesty International doesn't know we exist and blah 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 and talking about how shittily they can treat people. Okay, torture them there. That's perfect. Torture the information out of them and let's call it a fucking day. Let's cut this movie at the half hour mark. But I, I guess, you know, face experimental face transplant procedure uh, seems, you know, fine, especially without making sure that the bad guy's dead. Mm-hmm. You know, this it's perfectly reasonable. So, yeah, they, they went with that. And uh, the payoff wasn't great, honestly. But, you know, mistakes were made. It's fine. Uh, so, yeah, we totally agree that this is a, a bad plan. But, of course, if the if we didn't go with this plan, then this movie wouldn't get made and it would be a... a uh, what a 25 minute short film that none of us would watch anyways exactly like i have no problem accepting certain things as a basis for the movie like for example a plot point in harry potter is not that oh well magic doesn't exist like you need to accept that as a prerequisite for actually having the movie so i accept that this face plant face transplant was the best plan of action solely so this movie can exist but uh, magic doesn't exist, and this face transplant was not a very good idea. Yeah, it's a, it's a poor plan, but we go with it. Um, yeah. The prison scene, probably for me, um, with the exception of um, with the exception of the scene where where Travolta shows up as Castor Troy. The rest of the prison scene for me is the weakest of the whole movie. How do you figure? I just found like uh, I just found it kind of kind of boring and uninteresting. Um, uh, I just it's if I think about the rest of the movie, the rest of the movie for me is so entertaining and so much fun. But the prison part for me was it was such a it just like I felt like a drag. Yeah, I will say that uh, one wasted moment I thought that the the writers and director kind of uh, pussied out of was when uh, Nicholas Cage gets into a fight as Troy mm-hmm. and uh, is confronted with a situation where he needs to either essentially murder this guy who jumped him or uh, or blow his cover potentially. And they sort of cop out of that moment by having him be tased by the guards and subdued by these magnetic boots, which, you know, whatever, because these things exist. Uh, um, but they, they sort of pussied out of that moment for me. I think it would have been as pretentious as it might be to talk about things like character building in a movie like this, because it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that that could have been actually a powerful moment that the director just kind of like, brushed off. They, they just kind of went, oh, well, we'll have him get tased and it'll save him from that moment. But, it would have been interesting to see uh, his character be tested, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, 
so Troy waking up, uh, I always loved, I, and I, this was bad, like, obviously this is 97, so when I had this movie on VHS, I would always try and pause it for, like, the one or two frames that actually show Nicolas Cage's face without the skin on it. Yeah, that was, uh, it was I, I'm glad that they decided to show it and they didn't just do the rear cam. I'm glad they actually shelled out for the makeup. Yeah, I, well, I like, I, I, and I like that they didn't, because uh, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure this is probably a PG-13 movie. Um, no, no, it's an R. Wow, okay, R. Um, really an R? Well, I guess there's a lot of swearing. Yeah. Not a lot of blood. A lot of gunfights. Anyways, um... <laughs> I won't lie, I'm kind of surprised at the R rating. Um, but uh, I like that you get to see it a little bit, but it's not really over the top and kind of, for lack of a better word, in your face. Um, you get to see it. Uh, you get to see it a little bit, but but not too much because I I, li- I like that you that they kind of hide it from you. Um, I don't know, yeah, it's just, definitely it, suspense. It was a very suspenseful scene. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't know. It was it was it was fun. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's it. I, I I like. I wonder how you could tell when he was missing his skin that, and I don't know what he was doing, but Cage was obviously of changing the way he talked because he didn't have skin and probably lacked some lips. So, um, but he was still coherent that you can understand what he was saying yeah i I can definitely see what you're saying sorry if i sound distracted i'm reading through the uh, parental guide for uh for face off to try to see maybe the source of the r rating and i mean reading through it i can definitely get get it like there's the sexual assault at the beginning lots of sexual jokes throughout uh a man attempts rape uh that would be um i believe john travolta's daughter's boyfriend or whatever uh you know the whole face the whole face transplant thing is, uh, you know, just a frightening concept in general. It says about 30 uh, expletives, the word fuck, and other milder ones like shit, ass, and bitch. So I guess this podcast is rated R now. Uh, <laughs> yes, I guess uh, I guess I can see it. That's fair. Um, <laughs> Troy visits the prison and surprises Archer. He taunts his nemesis, telling him that he burned down Dr. Walsh's lab with Walsh, Biondi, and Miller inside to eliminate all the evidence of their transplant, and will take over Archer's life. He leaves Archer to languish while he convinces Pollux to reveal the bomb's location in exchange for release from prison. Disarming his bomb in dramatic fashion, Troy, as Archer, gains respect from Archer's fellow FBI colleagues. Troy becomes close to Archer's family, who Archer had neglected since he began seeking revenge against Troy romancing his wife Eve and rescuing his daughter Jamie from an abusive boyfriend. The scene where John Travolta shows up as Castor Troy is fun. And Nicolas Cage plays the confusion and not... It's a word I'm looking for. Not believing what he's seeing. Perfectly. And yeah, I I really liked this scene in general, just because like it was a good. Anytime you have a face to face scene in this movie between the two leads, they I think they generally have good chemistry. 
I, and, yeah, I agree. Yeah. As much as I, you know, love to make fun of Nicolas Cage for just being over the top all the time, this was just a. There's a couple of scenes in this movie where he doesn't completely ham it up, and I think this is one of them. He was uh, he played the confusion not as Nicolas Cagey as he possibly could have. Yeah, that's uh, I agree 100%. He definitely held back while John Travolta is going full on Nicolas Cage. Um, Joan Allen as uh, Dr. Eve Archer, uh, Sean Archer's wife, um, she is far too good of an actress to be in this movie. Absolutely. And I'm really glad... Uh, but I am glad that she's in it. Um, I'm a big Joan Allen fan. Uh, I've loved her. Um, I absolutely adore her in the movie Pleasantville. Um, but she's, uh, I, I think she's got probably two or three Oscar nominations to her name. Um, she has a somewhat thankless role in this movie. But the uh, the times that she does actually get to do something she uh, she nails it and uh, she plays the the hurt and neglected wife uh incredibly well um i don't know if there's anything else i really want to touch on on that part of the movie uh, Joan Allen, uh, Best Supporting Actress nominations for Nixon and The Crucible, and Best Actress nomination for The Contender. Yeah. Three times, I figured. Yeah. <laughs> You're always right. Not bad, hey? Sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's... Uh, the The scene where... It got a little awkward for me when Caster finds out that uh, Archer has a daughter or he remembers he has a daughter. Yeah, I was uh, I was definitely going to comment on that as well. The first scene where he encounters her in her panties in the room is like way too weird for me. It's just like, no, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it just makes you think that this daughter was put solely in the movie for sexualization, which I know Hollywood would never do. No, never. Never. They would never include a, a woman in a movie just to sexualize her. But in this case, it's his, it's his young teenage daughter, his own young teenage daughter. Well, not really, but kind of. I mean, this movie gets confusing with those sorts of relationships, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Like, I, I, it really didn't do it for me. It was really weird. Yeah. 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 The 90s were a strange time for action movies. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um,. I, I will. Like... Can I? Can I also just add to that? Uh, in that, the fact that they sort of this movie doesn't really know what they're doing with the character of Casper Troy, which is something I kind of had a problem with. Because on the one hand, he's this like sociopath, megalomaniacal, will murder anyone for the slightest indiscretion. Uh, we see him murder numerous people, but for some reason in this movie, we see him show empathy uh, for certain people, and the movie almost goes towards endearing us to the character of Castro Troy, which I really didn't like. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense. There was no story arc really. It, like, cause there's the, there's the scene with him beating the shit out of uh, his daughter's would be rapist boyfriend. And then teaching her how to defend himself, teaching her how to defend herself rather. 
that's a, like a really good thing to do. And I feel like those types of character moments were included solely to have him have a reason to not like have sex with this young girl. So it, it just didn't it, it didn't fit for his character for me that he was all of a sudden being nice to this like to this young girl. Like if you're gonna establish him as a piece of shit, fine, but like I, I just don't understand why the storyline was included at all and then they back off from it anyway so i don't know it just seems out of place to me i can understand that i think what it is if you remember correctly or sorry not if you remember correctly my apologies if you remember um uh pollux asks like caster as he's as archer like what his plan is like he's like well what about the money from so and so and he tells him he's he's like he's like don't he's like who cares about that money he's like what do you think I can make as like America's top cop? And so he, I think Caster, and this is just my way of kind of uh, mm, rationalizing just his actions him. with the daughter and with the with the mother, is that he has a long game in in hand here. Like he can, if his plan was to take down the other terrorist cells, get rid of his competition, and then probably down the line, using Archer. And with Pollux, they could do a lot more with everybody out of the way. So he can't risk anybody thinking that he's not Archer or getting into any type of trouble as Archer. Because with the power he holds in this FBI, he would be able to basically do whatever he wants. That's that's my thought. That's very true. I would I would maybe just say as a counterpoint to that that uh, Caster Troy doesn't strike me as one for impulse control, no matter what the situation. If there's one character trait that this movie absolutely drives home, is that Caster Troy is a womanizing pig and a sociopath. It doesn't really strike me as someone. Yes, he's like a brilliant terrorist, but I mean, every time he sees a, a woman in this movie. Even in a situation where it might endanger himself or blow his cover in any situation, he just finds the opportunity to, you know, be disgusting. So that would be my only counterpoint, but I do see what you're saying, and I, I did not consider that. Yeah, and that's fine. And you saying that, I completely understand that as well because, uh, you know, like he grabs the secretary's ass, and yeah, he's, uh, he's a, a misogynist pig. Um, yeah. So I, I guess we'll have to just accept this as another plot hole. Oh, shocker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one, of, one of very few, right? Yeah. Um, Archer escapes uh, after staging a riot and retreats to Troy's headquarters. There, Archer meets Sasha, the sister of Troy's primary drug kingpin, and her son, Adam, who reminds Archer of Michael. Archer learns that Adam is Troy's son, who he once had planned to put in foster care. Troy learns of Archer's escape and hastily assembles a team to raid his headquarters. The raid quickly turns into a bloodbath, killing numerous FBI agents and several members of Troy's gang, including Pollux. Archer, Sasha, and Adam are able to escape. Archer's supervisor, Director Victor Lazaro, blames Troy for the numerous slings. Troy, furious over Pollux's death, kills Lazaro and makes it look like a heart attack. Troy, as Archer, is promoted to acting director as plans are made for Lazaro's funeral. Um, the escape from the prison, uh, meh, um, it didn't make any sense to me that they were on an oil rig in the middle of the ocean. Um, I like that, uh, Archer, uh, jumps off the top, 
being chased by a helicopter and somehow makes it to land. Um, the helicopter could just hover over top of where he landed in the water and snag him when it came out. But whatever. <laughs> like I said, there's, there's, yeah. there's no plot holes. Yeah, they, they he jumps into the water and then shows up uh, at headquarters, and we we all should accept that as we as we do, of course. Yeah. By the way, by the way, I, I'm sorry to cut away from the prison escape. We can get back to it in a second if you want. One, I want to say this while I have it in my head. The guy who uh, uh, the the boyfriend. I, I'm going to be very unspecific here. I'm sorry. Um, John Travolta's daughter. I can't remember. Is it uh, Jamie? Jamie Archer. Yep, that's yeah. correct. Her uh, her boyfriend in this movie, who you know is kind of trying to rape her. Yes. Did you did you notice who that was? By the way, no. Actor? Did you? It was uh, it was Danny Masterson, uh, who of course is well known from that '70s show, and uh, recently has come under real real life rape accusations of his own, like no. numerous ones. Yeah. So he, he plays Hyde in that '70s show. I I paused it and I was like. Is that fucking Danny Masterson? Because it seemed a little bit too on the nose, but uh, yeah, that scene didn't age too well. Oh wow! I I never watched that '70s show, so other I, I loved that '70s show. I watched it a ton. Oh, that that's awesome! I like I did recognize the actor, and I uh, I was like, I know I've seen him in stuff. Oh, that's he actually is. Oh. Yeah, it's a little bit cringy. I'm trying to remember the name of his show that he just got kicked off of. Uh, it was The Ranch. Sorry, I'm looking at his uh, at his filmography. Uh, in here, but yeah, he just uh, he was on the ranch and got kicked off of it. But that is neither uh, that is neither here nor there. <laughs> Sorry to have uh, changed the subject. No, not at all. That's uh, that's that's I guess both hilarious and not is at the same time. <laughs> it's uh, it's I guess what you would call dark comedy. Yes, or dark um, humor. Uh, Sean as Caster returning to the hideout of his uh, gang. Um, was a scene I enjoyed uh, as uh, he takes some drugs and gets pretty fucked up. Yeah. Um, learns that Caster has a son. And uh, this is where they try to give uh, Sasha a, a little bit of a redeeming quality as she tries to get Caster to leave so she can keep her boy. Um, this him getting all creepy with the boy thinking that it's his own dead son yeah that was weird yeah. i mean the the parallels were so obvious i feel like this was one scene where they didn't they they basically made him have this freak out to sort of point out like hey remember he has a dead son like i thought the parallels were obvious enough that they didn't need to have him have like an, a a freak out where he actually calls him by his son's name i think it's michael Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they could have just if they if they wanted to throw a reminder to the audience like throw a flashback in there or something but the him calling him Michael just like I don't know that was that was weird to me too. Yeah. Um then we have the shootout at the gang headquarters um all while uh little Adam is listening to Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Uh it's a complete homage to one of uh, John Woo's earlier films. Uh, I think it's The Killer? Nope. Hard Boiled. Hard Boiled is a very similar scene where uh, a boy has uh, 
headphones on over top and and is playing a very uh, soothing song as relentless violence happens all around him. So John Woo's stealing from his own movies and puts it in here. Uh, I liked it. Um, this is where we get more slow motion, uh, more slow motion diving and double barreled uh, guns shooting at one another. Um, What's the point of only shooting one gun when you can shoot two? Right. Like that, doesn't that double your chances of hitting somebody? Yeah. <laughs> Seems like solid math to me. It checks out. Um, but I, I, I like this action scene. Um, there's, uh, there's always been, and, uh, I looked into it. There's the really creepy kiss between brother and sister. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this movie's already like broken the creepy threshold. So <laughs> yeah, this one, this one didn't register as much as some of the other moments for me, but yeah, this, it was a little bit too long of a kiss between brothers. It was just like a split second. Like, all right, that's, that's enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I always, I always found it fascinating. And, um, uh, Gina Gershon and Nick Cassavetes have both said that they, that they both felt, um, that they're, that this brother and sister have a really messed up relationship as it is. And that's why they did the kiss. Like that makes that. sense. And I'm like, I'm fine with that. I'm like, I, but I remember seeing it in the theater and every time after I'm like, that's a, that's a long kiss between a brother yeah. and sister. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can see that as an explanation though. Like they're both so fucked up. So yeah, you know, um, a split second extra on the kiss is uh, explainable, I guess. Yeah. Um, and this leads to a great little uh, tete-a-tete between uh, Cage and Travolta um, as they uh, face off haha, against one another, um, talking. Boo. I know. Boo. <laughs> um, but this is where they uh, they have another scene together, and again, the chemistry between these two guys is great. Um, and then the very uh, uh, on-the-nose where they are on opposite sides of a mirror. Yeah, that that was a little bit... I was like, okay, John Woo, I get it. You're an artist. <laughs> like, I know what you're doing. If they're, they're shooting themselves because they're looking into... Yeah, I get it. You're great. It's fantastic. <laughs> it was a little... Yeah, you're right. It was very on the nose. Yeah. Um, Pollux dies. Um, I love that... Uh, Travolta as Caster uh, is mourning his brother's loss and the FBI agent is like why are you so upset that this terrorist has been killed and he shoots him yeah like little does that agent know that it was the exact wrong thing he could have said to him that moment I think it was something like what do you care it's only Pollux Troy yeah. <laughs> oh no sweetheart you're dead um, and then we get into uh, the director Victor Lazaro uh, who has a bit of a heart condition, comes in, and Caster uh, immediately recognizes it and kills him, uh, making it look like a heart attack. Uh, Is that... that does, I'm not a doctor. Does not seem medically accurate to me. No, I... I, I do not have any medical training. I am... Uh, I do, I've never worked in a morgue. I, I, uh, <laughs> I've, never, I've, never, I've never done an autopsy. But I'm pretty sure somebody, at the very least, if you could make it look like a heart attack, there'd be somebody in the in the autopsy going, uh, this, yeah, this dude got punched in the chest. Like, he, he definitely got killed. <laughs> uh, 
but he's he would be the head of the FBI, so he should be able to cover that up, just like they covered up uh, JFK's death. Okay, moving Ooh. on. <laughs> what you don't you don't want to hover on that fact for a little bit? <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. All right. Seems <clears throat> like you're over. Um, Archer finds safety for Sasha and Adam and approaches Eve. Uh, he persuades her to take a sample of Troy's blood and his own to compare their blood types at the hospital where she works as a doctor to prove that he is Archer. Convinced of her husband's identity, she tells him that Troy will be vulnerable at Lazaro's funeral. At the ceremony, Archer finds that Troy has anticipated his actions and takes Eve hostage. Sasha arrives and a gunfight ensues. Sasha manages to save Eve after taking a bullet. Archer promises a dying Sasha to take care of Adam and raise him away from criminal life. So, this is where Sean Archer, with Caster Troy's face, has to convince his wife that he is Sean Archer, and the only way he can do it is by running his fingers over her face. Yeah, like... Okay, this <laughs> one of the many stupidest things of this movie. Like, he waits until their second encounter to tell her about their first date. Like, it was like after he first saw her, it was like, oh, how the fuck am I going to convince her that uh, <laughs> that I'm really her husband? Immediately after she left, he was like, ah, you know what would have been good? Uh, telling her something only I would know. Yeah. Instead of running my fucking hands over her face. That would have been smart. Oh, I'll do that next time. I'll save that one. Just see, It was like an eye roll moment. Oh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Um, it's, and again, Jones, like Jones just so much better than this movie. Cause like that scene where she first encounters who she thinks is Caster Troy, the, the look of fear and yeah, worry on her horrified. face. Yeah. I was like, I'm like, Oh, I'm like, you're so good. Like, <laughs> um, oh, oh, well, so the, the funny, the, I, again, there's no plot holes in this movie. But zero. This, we need to emphasize that. Yes, zero. So this funeral for the 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 dead director of the FBI was attended by what looked to be maybe 30, 40 people? Yeah, I would I would say that's pretty reasonable. And this is the head of the FBI, and this is where Castor Troy will be vulnerable. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's like, no, nobody's gonna attend. Of course we should kill him there. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. That's fine. Like I said, no plot holes. By um, the way, can we, can we go back for a second yo, just briefly? Yeah. After the conversation between Archer, uh, in this case being played by Nicolas Cage, and his wife where he's trying to convince her, or I guess immediately after that, when she's laying in bed with John Travolta, and he she knows at this point that the blood sample is the only thing that's going to confirm it with certainty. Yes. And she fucking just, like, stabs him in the arm to get to draw blood while he's sleeping. Mm-hmm. And he just, like, stirs a little and goes right back to sleep. I challenge anyone to draw blood off of their significant other without them waking up, <laughs> barring a fucking sedative. Like, it just... <laughs> Again, another one of those things you need to just roll your eyes and go like, okay, well, I guess she's got a blood sample now, whatever. Let's keep going with the movie. But... I I laughed out loud at that, that part. She just fucking she just has a perfectly small pin handy. Like I don't know. She just fucking I don't know. It it didn't make sense. Alright. So so Sam has thrown down the gauntlet to the Samuel Manuel movie podcast listeners. We want <laughs> we want you guys to draw blood from your partner while they're sleeping without waking them up and them going, What the fuck? 
So please get this done and let us know how it goes for you. We look forward to it. The Samuel Emanuel movie podcast is not responsible for any legal action taken against you for drawing blood from your But every disclaimer possible on this. Yeah, so please contact us at uh, sammammonymoviepodcast at gmail.com and let us know how it goes. Or uh, or on our Facebook page. We look forward to hearing back from you and uh, if you were able to draw blood from your significant other without waking them up in the middle of the night. Thank you. Okay, back to the review. That seems like a pretty reasonable spot to put a plug. Yes, totally. Um <laughs> So we have ourselves uh, a little Mexican standoff at the funeral, and uh, or I guess more of like a, a like a, a a several Mexican standoff as guns are being pointed at every character, um, and uh, poor Eve doesn't get a gun, and uh, but everybody else does, uh, yes. or, or multiple guns. <laughs> um, I think there are more guns. There, there's like. 12 people in this Mexican standoff, and there are probably more guns than there are people. I agree. <laughs> uh, um, a fun little uh, a fun little gunfight ensues. Uh, we lose Sasha. Uh, I was sorry uh, that she died. Uh, I would have happily given her mouth-to-mouth. Uh, <laughs> I would have sucked the bullet out of her wound. Um, I, I think that's snake bites. I think that's snake bites. Oh, right. My bad. Well, I still would have done it. Um <laughs> The uh, the promising of uh, taking care of Adam uh, pays off a little bit uh, near the end of the movie. Uh, totally weird. I, I want to touch on that when we get to that. Um, so Troy flees the church with Archer pursuing him. Uh, after killing two more federal agents, uh, Troy briefly takes Jamie hostage, but she escapes by stabbing him with a butterfly knife that Troy had given her for self-defense. That, my friends, is called irony. Ooh. A speedboat chase ensues wherein Archer forces Troy to shore, forces Troy to shore by collision, then best Troy in a in a fight. Troy mutilates his Archer's face to taunt him, but Archer shoots Troy with a spear gun, presumably killing him. Backup agents arrive and address Archer by name, having been convinced by Eve of Archer's true identity. After the face transplant surgery is undone, Archer returns home, adopting Adam into his family and keeping his promise to Sasha. Okay, fleeing the church, killing more agents, Troy takes Jamie hostage. I remember distinctly, and again, this is back when I was loving this movie. Um, I remember thinking, I'm like, this little girl is going to need some serious therapy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely, like, they, they treat it at the end of the movie like everything's totally fine. She just hugs her dad, and they are all smiley. Like, would this not give you some fucked up trust issues? Like, hey, what if my dad is a different person who's trying to kill me? Like, I think that would probably have some lasting effects on the average person. I know, right? It's, it's, she's just so fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the, she escapes, stabbing him with the knife that she, uh, that she did get from Castor Troy. Um, and then a speedboat chase ensues. And, uh, I really enjoyed the speedboat chase. Um, again, you can see that everything is done uh, practically. Um, I love that uh, that one boat uses the uh, police boat as a as a ramp to make a great jump, and the boat explodes for some reason. No, that's actually scientifically accurate. It's, oh. it's proven that if you use a police boat as a ramp, it will explode in the process. Oh, so. gotcha. Okay. Movie one, Manny Zero. Oh, so so true. Uh, I'm so glad uh, 
<laughs> I, I I'm sure uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson would agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I think he put out a tweet about it, probably. Perfect. Uh, but <laughs> I did like I did like the speedboat chase. Um, it, it was it was fun. Um, their uh, their little uh, fight on uh, on the shore uh, was okay uh, for a movie fight, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's when Archer returns home with this boy that Eve and Jamie don't know, have yeah. never heard of, have no idea, and they're not like, who the fuck is this kid? Yeah, he just like gives them a shrug, and they're like, yeah, okay, like, <laughs> like if like I said, they're going to have huge trust issues after this whole debacle. And if there's one way to rekindle that trust, it's to adopt the child without asking your significant other if it's okay. The, chi- think the child of the man who killed your son. Yeah. I don't see a problem with it. <laughs> oh, By the way, uh, he's I, I literally to... stolen a baby. <laughs> this man has stolen a child. Yes. And it's just all right. Yeah, it's all good. I wanted to give a brief shout out actually uh, to the the stunt man uh, in the boat scene. I know we touched on it briefly, but that fucking stunt man, like I, w- I was watching for it. It's not like a fucking mannequin that they insert into a couple shots briefly. Like they they hold the camera on whoever that stunt guy is hanging off the side of a moving speedboat. Oh. That guy, a shout out to that guy. That guy earned his motherfucking paycheck in this movie. Yeah, big time. Like it was. The stunt work and the the other thing as well, like uh, like when those when those much, I think we take it for granted with cars, but these two speed boats are going pretty quick, and they are for reals smashing into one another. Oh yeah, like in a car, we kind of take it for granted, but like boats aren't, as far as I know, they're nowhere near as sturdy as cars, and these two boats are ramming into one another. At some pretty significant speeds, and I'm like, God damn! And you can like, it's not green screen, it's not digital. It, there's no editing. You watch them smash into one another, and I'm like, motherfuck! I'm yeah, like, like as much as this scene seemed like a like a '90s movie cliche, this was one scene where I'm like, oh, yawn the speedboat chase, really? Like, okay, this is getting into cliche territory. But it it turned out to be really like a really well shot action scene. Actually. I was really impressed by it. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's really great. Um, which I think because the, the speedboat chase has done so well that the fight at the end is so underwhelming. The, yeah. actu- the actual, f- you know, again, boo earns on me, the actual face off between Sean Archer and Castor Troy. Um, isn't that exhilarating? Um, but again, I'm like, uh, how do you like, what what could you possibly do, that would top what you just saw with that speedboat chase? That's so, very fair. They they blew their load a little bit too early with the climactic scene. Yeah, and I, and I'm fine with that. Like neither one, like they didn't set up that uh, Caster or Sean is some type of fantastic hand to hand combatant. So it wasn't like I was looking for a great movie fight scene. Um, I was just kind of surprised that it that there wasn't one. Um, but I, I liked it because it, you know, they both kind of took a little bit of damage and it wasn't the, they can keep punching for minutes on end without feeling anything. Like they were, you know, they're, 
lost their breath and they they were they were hurt and stuff like that. So it was fine. Um, but yeah, can we talk about can we talk about the death scene from John Travolta? By the way, like the actual death. Sure. <laughs> it just it was in a movie full of over the top moments. It just struck me as one of the most ridiculously over the top death scenes in the entire, or one of the most ridiculously over the top scenes rather in the entire movie. It was so I laughed. I audibly laughed when he died. That's <laughs> totally understandable. Yeah. Um, uh, by, the, by the way, uh, I'm sorry, but another uh, another bit part in the movie that I'm not sure if you caught, but uh, the surgeon at the end of the movie who's gonna uh, switch uh, Archer's face back. Do you do you recognize him behind the surgical mask? No. It was Gale from Breaking Bad. No. I like, I haven't looked this up, so I can't confirm it. But I'm 99% sure it was Gale from Breaking Bad. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Watch, watch it again. I promise you, you'll recognize him. It's the eyes. He's got those those cute little eyes that you could never shoot in the face. Spoiler alert for season four of Breaking Bad. Oh, now I want to watch Breaking Bad. Oh, Gail. <laughs> um, so that pretty much finishes up Face Off with us. Um, Sam, final thoughts on Face Off. So I was well aware of Face Off's reputation before doing this episode. I had never seen it before. Um, it basically lived up to the hype. It was just a stupid, cheesy, turn-your-brain-off action movie, and really one of the better of those types of movies that I've ever seen. It does everything that it seeks out to do quite well. There are numerous you know, plot points. This movie does not con- concern itself with continuity errors or with you know character development. You're going to get is well shot action you're gonna get nicholas cage yelling at people and you know grabbing some ass every now and again uh as well as john travolta giving quite a good performance it it, it's exactly what it's marketed as i don't believe the 82 meta score i think that's ridiculous but uh it's it's absolutely worth a watch and this is the kind of movie i can see myself rewatching or putting on with friends to have a laugh at it's it was pretty damn enjoyable i liked it yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, like I said, when I saw it in '97, it was one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, it, it, this is this is the perfect example of a popcorn movie. You put this movie on, you make some popcorn, you sit down, you turn your brain off, you be entertained, you watch it, you laugh, you're done. You don't have to think. You just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Um, I. I absolutely love face off it's so much fun um i was so glad uh that we got a chance to watch it and i i loved rewatching it so sam what's your score on face off uh so remind me again what are we doing for the for the scoring system what what are we rating it on our enjoyment on the quality of the movie on I, I'm I'm really torn. There's I think a it's a, I think it's a mix of whatever you want. Like I don't think you compare. Like as an example, let's you um, like hold on. Let me use something as an example. Like oh, here's a great example. Um, I recently watched um, I recently watched a movie on Netflix uh, called Set It Up. It's a romantic okay. comedy that they've been promoting on Netflix. I decided to watch it, and was thoroughly entertained from start to finish i'm like oh my god this is adorable so i gave it a score of four out of five that's the same score i've given other movies that were brilliant so i think it's a it's kind of like it's not a set in stone 
kind of scoring system. It's yeah. how much did you enjoy this movie? Just because like like a, a comedy might get a four while a riveting drama might get a four as well doesn't mean that the comedy was as good as that drama. It's what right. did you get out of that movie? Because I've, the reason I ask, and that's quite a good explanation, the reason I ask is because on a technical level, this movie is quite good. From a storytelling perspective, this movie is not good at all. But as far as my actual enjoyment, I didn't care about the story or the characters. Or rather, I didn't care about the lack of them. Like, I was just really immersed in this movie. So I'm leaning towards giving this movie a four, even though it is so bad and I have given movies worse than it a three. But I'm leaning towards giving it a four. And for the time being, that'll probably be the way I go because it was so much fucking fun. See, and I think that's a perfect example of, of exactly what we're talking about. This, And I'm with you. For me, Face Off gets a four. It's not a great movie. Um, there's so many things wrong with it. But the entertainment value of it, the performances, the action scenes, it just elevates the movie to a, a whole other thing. And I think that perfectly encapsulates why this has an 82 Metascore. It's not a it's not a mark on the on the technical qualities and and the and the the stuff that you look for when it comes to awards. Was this movie fun and entertaining? Fuck yeah, it gets a four for me. I I completely agree with everything you just said. I was hesitant to go the four route because there are some movies you know that I've given a three that uh, you know are, are arguably much better than this, and I would not rank this movie amongst you know the best movies i've seen this year as far as you know the the filmmaking of it goes but as far as entertainment goes i it's been at least a couple of months probably since i watched a movie that i actually enjoyed watching this month or this much rather i'm so glad to hear that i'm i'm glad that you enjoyed it as much as i did i very much did perfect now just before we take off um i had a couple other I had something that i thought you'd like to know it's something okay. that we do often with these kind of movies. Um, there were a couple other pairs of actors that were considered for this movie. Would you like to know some of them? I would love to know some of them, Manny. Okay, the first ones that they were considered were the biggest stars, action stars of their of their era. The first ones were Schwarzenegger and Stallone. Okay. Next up, oh, go ahead. I was just, I mean, if there's more actors, maybe I'll save my thoughts on them all till the end. But okay. yeah, I, I would keep going, keep going for now. Okay. The next one, um, and when he was given the script, he actually, uh, he, he passed on it, but he became a producer of this movie, and that's Michael Douglas. Uh, wow. He was going to be paired up with Harrison Ford. <sighs> okay. All right. Next uh, up. Oh, go oh, ahead. I didn't realize there were more. You keep going. There's, there <laughs> are it. more. Okay. Next up was the tandem of Bruce Willis and Alec Baldwin. Okay. And then the next one here is unbelievable, and there's no way these guys would have done it. Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. <laughs> okay. And then the last one, which would have made this movie one of the worst movies of all time is Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal. Holy shit, that move that would have been bad. That would have been borderline unwatchable. Yes. That would have been borderline unwatchable. Um 
of those combinations, it's difficult. I would love to see what this movie would have looked like with Harrison Ford and Michael Douglas. That would have been such a different movie. Oh. I, I wonder. I wonder if they could have made it work. I really do. Um, and as far as Pacino and De Niro go, like that's just a wet dream. Like I, that. If they had somehow turned this movie into a masterpiece, yeah. it it would have been the weirdest masterpiece to ever hit movie theaters. But, you know, I think the most realistic lineup of those ones you just gave and the one that would be the best would probably be uh, Harrison Ford and Michael Douglas off the top of my head. Although, you know, the lineup that we got was just perfect. It I, There are a couple movies that we've talked about where nobody else can can do the things that these people have done. Uh, especially most movies with like Robin Williams or Jim Carrey in them. They're very singular people. I think Nick Cage is one of those guys where he's just irreplaceable by anyone else in the industry. When you hire Nicolas Cage, you are going to get a Nicolas Cage performance. And if you don't hire Nicolas Cage, you are not going to get a Nicolas Cage performance. Oh, I concur. Well put. That's exactly my feelings on this. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would, I agree out of, out of the, uh, the duos, presented here I, I the only one that would actually intrigue me to watch would be harrison ford and michael douglas i'm a big michael douglas fan um i think this movie i think this movie would have taken a very serious turn with the with those two in the lead yeah which is why i'm interested to see how it would have turned out because this movie is only enjoyable for me because of how not serious it is yes <laughs> but i can't see those two actors being able to sort of just laugh it off and have a good time they strike me as very serious stars i i agree and uh i i think uh with that in mind i think uh, with harrison ford and michael douglas we'd need a different director than john woo yeah who, who would you have directed in uh, uh, off the top of your head i want to go to my main man all the time fincher yeah well that would be interesting but uh, the script would need so much more. Like he would have to, he would have like so much would have to change with him. So I, I don't even know. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of any sort of director, but honestly, like, I mean, and the movie we got is so unique because of all the different flavors that we've gotten it from, from John Woo and Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. And I love how. If you think about the 90s, and obviously I was one year old when this movie came out, but if you think about the 90s and John Travolta had just reestablished himself as a serious actor with Pulp Fiction in 1994, mm-hmm. and then this, comes out, and then this movie comes out in 1997, I can only imagine the reaction of critics' faces and the disappointment that a lot of people must have felt. Oh, yeah. it was. It, uh, and uh, I also want to... Uh... Uh, I think I have... Oh, I just want to double-check something here. Um, sorry, I just... I saw something that, that kind of bugged me, and I want to... This will all be edited out, right? Yeah, of course. Of course it will, because um, we have that in the budget. I saw that... Uh... Oh, what the fuck? Oh, well. No worries. Um... Eh, pfft, whatever. Um, it looked. Uh, it, I reported on the box office for Face Off, and one of the um, the uh, the movie the the totals um, listed on IMDb are 
significantly different than the ones um, listed on uh, Wikipedia. And so I was just trying to uh, confirm um, one of them. But uh, the set. Yeah, pretty... wow, those are those are really different. I, I I see what you because you're looking at uh, the Wikipedia one where it says it made nearly two hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah, and that for me that that tracks more to what I remember. Yeah, I'm looking on IMDb. Are you looking at the gross USA numbers and cumulative worldwide gross? Yeah, because I'm wondering if the cumulative worldwide gross doesn't include the US numbers because if you add them together, they come close to two fifty. Yeah. That is probably the source of your confusion, sir. Yeah, that's probably it. Um, <laughs> either way, um, where was I going to look here? Oh well. Um, but yeah, that that's uh, again. I'm I'm so glad that uh, that you could that you enjoyed it. Uh, I kind of thought that you would um, because I know that you enjoy a good Nicolas Cage uh, session. Go watch The Wicker Man. <laughs> uh, perhaps down the line, you can make me watch The Wicker oh, Man. Yeah, if I ever win a fucking contest. <laughs> um, so that's uh, that's gonna wrap up uh, us for uh, for Face Off. Um, we are uh, next week is uh, we're gonna be doing our oscar retrospective um that we've had to push off for uh for quite a long time because somebody keeps not watching the movies and by somebody i mean me (laughs) (laughs) um but we're finally gonna do it uh where i'm super excited um oops it's uh so we're gonna be recapping the uh the 2006 oscars uh the 78th uh academy awards um the five uh, best picture nominees were Crash, Brokeback Mountain, Capote, Good Night and Good Luck, and Munich. Um, I'm very excited uh, to sit down and uh, talk with Sam uh, about these movies, who has not seen any of them. Not seen a damn one, so it is going to be uh, very interesting. I already know what, uh, I think I know what Manny's favorite movie from this year was, and I think I know what most people's favorite movie from this year was. I'm aware it was a controversial win for Crash in the Best Picture category. Spoiler alert if you're still catching up on the Oscars, by the way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm. Uh, these are always fun episodes to do, so I am looking forward to it, and i got to get cracking. Yeah, as am I. Uh, I have a couple more to watch, but uh, since I've already seen them all, it's uh, just kind of uh, getting a, a little refresher on them. Um, so uh, please remember to uh, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, if you could give us a five-star rating and leave a little review, it will actually increase our uh, exposure to other people so we can bore them as well. <laughs> if, you'd like to, if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at sammannymoviepodcast.gmail.com. Please like and follow us on Facebook. We would love to hear from you guys. If you guys have any questions or comments, please you know, send us an email. Shoot us a message on Facebook, and we will answer them right away. Um, we got some fun stuff lined up. Um, we're gonna be. Uh, we got some some uh, some stuff coming up uh, down the pipe that I, I think a lot of you guys are gonna listen to. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, Sam, you want to say oh. anything before we sign off? 
Yeah, I'll also just remind people that if you are fans of the show Ozark, we also have our mini-sodes coming out. Uh, one episode that we're releasing for every episode of season two of Ozark, so check that out as well. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I hope uh, I hope everybody's been liking them. Uh, and if you have any, again, if you have anything you'd like to add to that, uh, please uh, message us. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, so for the Samuel and Manual Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manual. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios.